It's the Locked On Canes podcast, where it's all about the you. I am one of your co-hosts, Corey Joyner. I am joined by Fred Perdue. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Locked On Canes and our individual accounts at CoreyJ863 at Fred Perdue CFB. We are coming off a victory. The Miami Hurricanes beat the University of Virginia 17 to 9 on Friday night in Hard Rock Stadium. Fred, give us your initial thoughts on that game. Definitely, man. It was a defensive game. Uh, one of those, th- one of the things I really was impressed with was the defensive line. Um, Gervin Hall in the secondary also really helped that helped that secondary kind of come together a bit. The linebackers really didn't didn't really show me much, but defensively as a whole, you could tell some of the changes that were made throughout the uh, throughout the week, especially on a short week, were really uh, emphasized. And you can tell Manny Diaz has his fingerprints all over this defense again. Yeah, I can definitely see the change in intensity by our defensive players, and it was nice to see the offense, especially on that opening drive, go down the field and put up seven points on this University of Virginia defense. So who impressed you the most offensively and defensively for our team? Oh, easily. Easily Greg Russo. I've been begging for this guy to get into the starting rotation all season. He reminds me so much of Calais Campbell. Uh, The long arms, the the explosion, his get-off is great. Uh, He's a game-changer, and he's definitely needed to be on the field. Uh, Really, probably since the beginning of the season, he he has a little bit of a little different. He's a little bit different than any other player you see on the field. And when you have those type of guys, you just have to play them. Got to get those guys on the field. Really impressed with the way he performed and looking forward to seeing him more and more as the season goes on. Now, what about offensively? You know, we had DJ Dallas going off like he normally does. He typically puts the team on his back. But anybody else impress you on the offensive side? Uh, definitely Nikosi Perry. Uh, and it was for me the when I look at, it's not just about raw numbers. It's how he's able to extend plays. I wasn't impressed with him last year, but just seeing how he's been the consummate teammate. And even when he lost his job, he's still, uh, he was always there helping out. But this is, this is that game that may just catapult him into a, a, a different, uh, situation going forward. And with this team, over the first couple weeks of the season, we've had some issues in the kicking game. Give us your reaction to the change in our field goal kicker. Turner Davidson. I know as much about Turner Davidson as starting running back DJ Dallas does, uh, and that's absolutely nothing. Uh, DJ Dallas was actually (laughs) quoted as saying he didn't even know the guy's name. Uh, he, He didn't play much last year. Uh, he actually didn't play any at all in real game action, was red-shirted, didn't have any game action this year. But when the kicks mattered, he made what he had to make. Uh, there were no real pressure-pressure situations. He just went out and did his job, and uh, that's what you're looking for. Bubba Baxter just seemed very shaky uh, throughout the season, even dating back to last year. He just seemed very shaky. And when you have that type of a kicker, He's a bit of a I, – I hate calling kickers head cases, but they're a bit of – they're, they're head cases. And if you're talking a good kickoff specialist, Bubba Baxa might be your guy. But you have to create competition, and I think that competition is it has now been made. And I like it. He went out there. He did his job. He made the kicks. 
and we didn't have to argue on Twitter about the kicking situation because <laughs> typically Kane's Twitter is always arguing. Baxter, oh my goodness, this guy is just the worst. But now, seeing that we do have that competition now, I'm looking forward to see him kick more field goals. Hopefully, when it comes to the pressure situation that will come when you have to make that field goal at the end of the game, can he make that kick? That's what we're going to need to find out from him. But he did great in the game Friday night. Looking forward to seeing more from him. And overall, um, the team played well. I like the uniforms. I like the all-white. Kind of reminds me of the Stormtroopers from Star Wars. I wasn't a big fan of those uniforms. I saw them in the offseason. Uh, they're the... the uh, they're the actual away jerseys for uh, from last year's uh, campaign that Adidas did where they're using recycled materials that would normally end up in the ocean and pollute the, the planet. We're using those, but I did see some ripping, some tearing late in the game that you normally don't see. I'm not necessarily against it, but I need something different. I'm, I'm a traditionalist when it comes to uniforms, especially Miami. I don't typically like to, to tinker around with things. And I'm on the opposite end of that spectrum. Get creative. This is this, the college kids. Get creative with the uniforms. Give us something a little different. You could go back to the traditional uniforms, but give us something a little different. I liked it. All white. We had a white out. The fans were encouraged to wear white to the stadium. I think it's something like for games you can rally around the fans can rally around the team can rally around so i'm in favor of different uniforms and it's environment friendly how can you say no the i can agree i can see where you're coming with, from with that one i again like i said I, I can go white out we can white out with our traditional uniforms go completely uh you can go crazy with that um the only thing about a white out we need more fans in the stadium despite having fifty-four thousand fans it just seemed like the sky shots uh, seemed very, it seemed like everyone was so spread out. Uh, in a game like this where uh, it's essentially win or go home. I mean, you're down 0-2 already, 0-2 in the division. You really have to, uh, fans have to show up. I need more fan support. The fan support is always tough in Hard Rock. Um, being that stadium, obviously, is not on campus. It's about a 30-minute drive from Coral Gables to Miami Gardens. And that's always been a huge issue, especially trying to fill up an NFL stadium. But I thought it was a decent crowd out there for this game Friday night. Um, and they were they were pretty loud, especially when we were making the plays. So the more they win, the more fans will show up. It's Miami. Definitely. Uh, for me, on a, a Friday night game, I, I need the ACC to do a little bit better. Um, your recruits can't come to these games. In a game like this where the defense was showcased, uh, early and often, those those recruits that will and we'll get into recruiting, Canes fans. Promise you, we will definitely get into recruiting because there are some big time recruits uh, out there uh, to help this this Canes team really uh, try to get back to the the good old days. So, but those play, those players can't come into games; they're playing games themselves, and uh, we all know in the South Florida area, we know what that that competition is like. So. Uh, I need the ACC to do better. We don't need Friday night games. Now this game, Nikosi Perry, 
started at quarterback. Opening this season, we had Jaron Williams, the starter, who won the job in the spring. But last night, Friday night, was all about Nikosi Perry. Uh, it was. Nikosi Perry made plays. He's an improviser of uh, as far as a – he's a bit of a wizard with the football. Uh, sometimes he does it a little too much, and it can get him in trouble. Uh, there were a couple times he just – he got just – run happy he got he wanted to step up in the pocket and then back out I think he tried to relive the Michael Vick experience or something but uh, when he's on and he's able to extend plays and get guys open uh, he really can uh, he can change a game Uh, there was a throw he made after scrambling out where he hit Mark Pope in the hands and I'm I'm, I need 15 push-ups Mark Pope because you dropped that one it hit you right in the hands but um, you know he's he has a strong arm and and I really want to see more from him as far as extending plays. Now, with Nikosi Perry's performance, uh, give us your analysis how he performed from the opening of the game and to close out this game. Uh, for, for me, I, I just I want to see more as far as him throwing the football in a more structured environment. Um, you can't improvise every single play. His footwork looked okay. Uh, he he has good touch, very good touch. K.J. Osborne helped him out big time. Uh, they ran a lot of the same concepts throughout the game. Uh, they Bryce Hall, the corner from Virginia, who was one of the top corners in the country, he went out, and Nikosi easily recognized it and started going at, at Cross, who was actually a free safety. And you could tell he wasn't comfortable playing corner. So KJ Osborne, I mean, he gave him the whole route tree and Nikosi completed passes and down the stretch. It mattered. It really did matter. Uh, I would love to see him be able to punch it in at the end uh, instead of making, uh, bringing out that kick team, especially knowing that the, the, the special teams are just not very special right now. So uh, that's the next step in his maturity that he's going to be able to have to take. Now, as the QB competition was going on, I personally was in Jaron Williams' hive. That that was the quarterback I was rolling with. I got a chance to see him last spring um, while he was a red-shirted freshman. He didn't get the chance to, to play much at all last season. But I thought he had a great arm. I thought he had great pocket presence. And I thought he could be the quarterback for this team. Now, we got a chance to see Nikosi Perry live in action on Friday night, where are you sitting? Are you with Nikosi Perry or are you with Jaron Williams? I think I lean more towards Jaron Williams. He's the more structured passer of the football. I think him getting his, his him getting his feet wet this year is going to help going forward. Um, Nikosi, for me, he's more of the new age spread option quarterback but he's not too comfortable just sitting in the pocket throwing darts, which is what Jaron does. Jaron scrambles when he has to. He extends plays when he has to. He's a decent enough athlete, but he's not a he's not he's not Nikosi. They're two different quarterbacks, and uh, Nikosi was recruited for Mark Rick's system where he wanted to have more of a guy a guy that could get on the perimeter uh, and make the make the throws off of RPOs. Uh, also be able to extend plays and take off every now and then. He's a good athlete. Jaron, to me, Jaron's more of what Mark Rick should have had. 
he's closer to what you would have gotten from a, a Brad Kaya back in uh, at the begin of, beginning of the Mark Rick era. He's more of that type of quarterback, and I think Miami wants that kind of guy. He's the the, the true pocket passer with a little bit of extra, uh, with a, with some extra athleticism, and he uses it when he needs it. Uh, but I think I, I, I stand more on the uh, the Jaron Williams train. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I really like what I saw from Nikosi Perry. Um, the biggest thing, because he's more athletic and he's quicker to scramble uh, with this team, because our offensive line, they're Swiss cheese. Man, they look like JV out there. And Nikosi Perry using his legs to get a couple extra yards, picking up first downs. That's kind of what the team needs uh, right now. So unless we can get this offensive line fixed and fixed in a hurry, it might be the best move to keep Perry in the game. Now, Coach Manny has already stated that Jaron is still going to be the guy as long as his shoulder has healed up. But looking from that game Friday night, I think I could roll with Perry for the rest of the season just until we get our offensive line fixed and better protection for for the quarterback i think is you're gonna see a little bit of musical chairs with quarterbacks and whoever's the hot guy at the time will be the guy that uh, gets the reps and i think those you're gonna see a lot of what happened in the spring where somebody's going to have to win this job and unfortunately it's more to do with the offensive line and a little less to do with uh with the these two guys because they're both talented uh they do both they both do different things uh, but you have to have time. And usually what happens is if you can't throw the football well and you can't protect well, you go to the running game. But the running game hasn't really, really done anything uh, on a consistent basis. I expect DJ Dallas, a guy like him, who he's not the most explosive guy in the world, but he's the he's a tough runner. Between him and Cam Harris, both of these guys should easily be getting about 75 to 100 yards on any given night. Uh, so that running game helps out that that passing game uh, and and vice versa. It opens things up. So I want to see more. That's what I want to see a little bit more of to help open up that passing game and keep these keep these eight and nine uh, man boxes off of these guys uh, so they don't necessarily have they can actually spread the field out. Uh, we have athletes at receiver and that's I mean, get the ball to your athletes. Sometimes you have to dial up people plays. And looking at the numbers from the running back position, DJ Dallas ended the night with 63 yards, averaging 4.8 a carry. Meanwhile, Harris only had two carries for two yards. And that's not the balance we want to see coming out the backfield. And even in the, the red zone, we had Brevin Jordan uh, get a handoff, which I thought was odd. And you mentioned the talent that we have at receiver. Why not get the ball in the receiver? And Brevin Jordan, how great he is at tight end, he's not that fast. We have some excellent receivers that have some wheels. I would like to have those guys take a handoff or take a jet sweep rather than Brevin Jordan. What were your thoughts on that? Uh, I do want to see those receivers like K.J. Osborne get a few more touches in the red zone. I also don't want to ever see a tight end catch taking a, a, jet, uh, a jet sweep ever again. Uh, one thing I did see, in that situation, Brevin Jordan should have finished the run. He caught a pass over the middle, and he took off, and he got caught. 
he got caught from behind. He actually tweeted out after the game that he was the slowest tight end ever. And his teammate DJ Dallas actually said, no, he just needs to stop looking behind him. So good advice from his running back. Uh, but you have to – the one thing I've always wanted to see is uh, guys finishing plays. Don't worry about what's behind you. Just finish the play. And that's important. And that's important for momentum uh, for this offense moving forward. And with the offense, give us your grade on our offensive coordinator. How do you think he called the game? Uh, I'd say I'd give it a solid C+. Plus. Uh, I still need to see more. Uh, sometimes some of the play calling just it makes me scratch my head. You'll you'll see on a fourth and seven. I know you don't trust your kick. You you don't trust your kicker, but fourth and seven is something I'm just not big on. Um, if anything, pooch punt it, get it, and, and um, down down those guys on the one yard line, two yard line, something like that. I I'm not big on a a fourth and seven. That, that stuck out to me like a sore thumb. Uh, you have to commit to the running game a little bit more. Um, I know they're putting – and you can't – the one thing about Virginia was they're so long uh, and athletic, you can't run east and west with them. You have to run north and south. And every time they did, they got production out of it. But it just seemed like to me they'd go back to this east-west running game and it would just get bottled up every time. You can't – you have to adjust. It's the game inside the game. Yeah, I, I I would agree with that that great performance from from the offensive coordinator. C plus. It was definitely a couple head scratchers. As um I was watching the game, I was like, why why would you call that, man? <laughs> but uh, we did get into the end zone a couple times. But there should definitely be more explosion from this offense with the talent that we have. Oh, it definitely should. With you have playmakers like Jeff Thomas who has been somewhat invisible this year. Uh, I expected him to be a more of a deep threat, especially for Jaron, who has a very big arm. Uh, Nikosi does too, but it just doesn't seem like they're dialing up the deep shots, which you really can't because the offensive line is having issues protecting. So uh, I do want to see a little bit more of getting the ball into playmakers' hands. And speaking of coaching, Manny Diaz actually took a more hands-on approach to the defense. So Manny Diaz mentioned earlier this week that he was going to take a more hands-on approach to our defense, and it showed up on the field. We saw guys flying to the football. We seen a defense that, in the red zone, for six trips, allowed no touchdowns and only gave up three field goals. How do you rate Manny Diaz's hands-on approach to the defense and that defensive performance? I give it a solid B. Uh, I saw a lot more pressure. 
And that's the one thing you have to pressure a guy like Bryce Perkins, who I really, really like as a quarterback. Uh, I'm one of those people that follows everyone. I know this is the Locked on Canes podcast, but I'm, I'm, I don't discriminate when it goes to the next level. So uh, as a guy that looks at, at everyone, Bryce Perkins reminds me of a guy like a Geno Smith with a little bit of athleticism. And if you remember those type of guys, you have to not you have to stay in your rush lane. And those big guys up front have to stay stay in those rush lanes. So if you do bring a little extra pressure with a guy like a Shaq Quarterman or a Pinkney at linebacker, you can you can uh, make him step up right into the pressure. And he, because Perkins can really uh, extend plays very much like Nikosi, uh, actually a little bit better than Nikosi, where he's keeping his eyes downfield. He's not looking to run. He's looking to extend, extend, and still make a throw downfield. Um you have to always keep someone looking at him. You have to either keep a spy on him or bring a little extra pressure, or whether it's a stunt, a twist. You have to do different things with that D-line, and they did all of those things, uh, even though he did scare me a little bit um, on some of these plays because I'm like, the second the second Russo would get his hands on him or or someone else on the, or, or Nesta Silvera would actually get a hand on him, uh, he would just find a way to just bounce out of there and just make a play. Yeah, for, for all the scrambling that Bryce Perkins did do on Friday night, he only had 27 yards on the ground. So I thought we did a relatively good job in containing him. Um, there were definitely a lot of plays where he extended, um, doing a little shaking and baking um, in the backfield where he was able to throw the football away instead of taking a sack, instead of taking that negative play. But overall, I thought our defense uh, did a, a job well done to, to keep Perkins contained. Now, he threw the ball. He threw the ball pretty well. Um, I thought he was 25 for 42 for uh, 252 yards. So I, I thought he did a, a decent job making plays here and there. But the defense put the clamps down once it got to the red zone. And I think that was one of the big differences in this game. Uh, definitely. Uh, when I look at how how – that Bronco Mendenhall offense works where they're, they're more of a, an air raid type of team. They want to throw the ball around a lot. And they did because uh, they have those big receivers, uh, Brissett, who is the brother of Jacoby Brissett, the Colts quarterback. Also uh, Dubois, who really, really uh, impressed me a little bit. Uh, I, I, I know, like I said, I do, I understand what we're here for, but uh, I have to give credit where credit is due. Uh, they made they made a they have big really big receivers and uh, guys like Trajan Bandy who he's a good corner but he's just a little bit undersized uh, really had uh, he was at a disadvantage uh, I've also looked at DJ Ivy who was a bit of disadvantaged and they still tried to they did their best to make plays on bigger receivers who just made who I mean the throws were just well defended but the receivers made just really good plays um, but what I want to see a little bit more from uh, I want to see a little bit more from them is I want to see a little bit more aggression. Uh, go in, make a, ta- I got to see a little bit more of the, the tackle stop being missed. I, I don't understand it in, in, in today's football where you have plenty of time to work on tackling, tackling in space is huge. And it just seems like it's a lost art nowadays. And, and speaking of tackling, uh, we had an ejection targeting call um, this game. Uh, what are your thoughts on the play, the the bang bang play there in the end zone with one of our guys, Amari Carter? Uh, really good safety. Actually, this is the second time he's been ejected from a game for this. Uh, the first time it was it really wasn't 
uh, targeting either, but this time it really was not targeting. You have a big 6'2", 6'3", receiver, and you have a big 6'1", 6'2", free safety, and uh, the receiver, he he ducked his head uh, after he caught the ball. So I'm, I'm in today's football, you're expecting big safeties in a bang-bang play to find a strike zone that does not exist. I hate everything to do with these targeting rules because you're asking really fast, strong, big athletes to make a decision, either don't make a play and let and try to dislodge the ball because he's already caught the ball. He hasn't come down with complete possession, so you're supposed to hit this guy with everything you have uh, to dislodge the football or just let him just play two-hand touch and let him have a touchdown. More than likely, it was going to be a touchdown anyway. But he, Amari Carter tried. You can easily see he tried to turn his shoulder and avoid the hem, the helmet-to-helmet contact. Again, I hate everything to do with these con- these uh, these targeting rules, regardless if it's the U, whether it's Alabama, whether it's any other school in the country. I hate these targeting rules because you're expecting bang-bang plays to happen. The people that make these play these rules don't play these games at this speed. For sure. As, as a, a former defensive back myself in my glory days of high school <laughs> football, those plays happen so quick. Like the game is so fast when you're on the field, when we're watching from the television or watching in the stadium, you can see all oh, the games pretty fast, but when you're actually on that field and everyone is moving at a hundred miles per hour, is really difficult, and especially in a play like that, to, you know, to avoid that type of contact. Especially, the receiver may duck to try to avoid the contact. The receiver may adjust their body when you already adjusted to make the hit and make it a legal hit. And you know, it, it sucks to see these players, especially these young players, get penalized for for you know they're trying to make a play for their team. And the major thing for these players is you have to keep your head up. You got to keep your head up and see what you're hitting. That's one of the major defensive keys to tackling. Keep your head up to see what you're hitting. Because once his head went down on that play, that's when I knew it was over. I saw the helmet to helmet and his head was down a little bit. And the way they call these penalties, he was gone immediately. I I, I just knew he was going to be gone, but... It just sucks how fast the game is. It's really difficult for these players to make that adjustment. And I hope that in the offseason, the NCAA can review that and revise that a little bit more to help these players out because it's a shame to see these players get ejected from the game because of a bang-bang play. Definitely. I want to see more of that because, uh, again, this these targeting rules, it happens way too much uh, in college football. I usually don't try to get on my soapbox too much, but this is those, this is one of those things where I need this to do, be different. Uh, you involve play actual players in this process of trying to help help rule makers just uh, understand how this type of process works. Completely agree with you there. So that'll do it for the first episode of the Locked On Canes podcast. We are excited to bring you this content this upcoming week from the press conferences to the updates on practice to the game preview. And so make sure you guys go on iTunes, go on Spotify, subscribe, write a review, share the podcast with everyone you know. 
Follow on Twitter at Locked on Canes. Follow my Twitter account at CoreyJ863. And make sure you follow Fred Purdue at Fred Purdue CFB. And without further ado, go Canes!